Are we witnessing the end of the Bill Belichick era in New England? We talk about that and so much more coming up next on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostreicher, one of the many NFL experts here on our network and the host of Locked On Ravens. As always, we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes over in video form on YouTube, so you can subscribe in video form, in audio form. We are free once again. Today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to fast about your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to push your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Sunday's action of week 12 is through, and we're going to be talking about the biggest stories from across the league. First, with Mike DeBate of LockedOn Patriots about the Bill Belichick era, and if we're slowly coming to an end with that. So we'll talk with Mike of Locked On Patriots in the first part of the show. Then we'll have Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers back for the second straight week. Last week it was, as Kenny Pickett done, this week the Steelers get a win. or the Steelers back? We'll talk with Chris about that in the second part of the show. Then we'll move on to Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans, who picked up a win over the Carolina Panthers. Are they a sneaky playoff team? So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. The New England Patriots fall in a heartbreaking fashion to the New York Giants in a sloppy game. 10-7, to 7, 17 total points scored in that one. Here to talk about that with me, Mike DeBate, the host of Locked On Patriots. And Mike, I know it's been a rough season over there for you in New England. The Patriots fall to 2-9. and nine. It's It's been hard from a quarterback standpoint. The weapons that whoever it is, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi has around them have been lackluster. It's been rough all around, but in this game in particular, let's start there before we get into the broader picture of things. The Patriots play for overtime. They do not get there on a missed 30-plus yard kick, which unfortunately for Ravens fans brings back some memories of up in Foxborough with a, a different kicker who will not be named. That was a good moment for the Patriots. This one, not such a good one. How the, how the Patriots lose this one? Because again, this featured a benching quarterback-wise, Mac Jones for Bailey Zappi. Yeah, I mean, I hate to put this all on the shoulders of one position, but it was quarterback play that really doomed the Patriots right from the get-go. And look, that's not the only reason why the Patriots are 2-9, and nine, but it was the most dominant factor in the reason why the Patriots, unfortunately, came out at, with a loss, with a 10-7 loss against the New York Giants. Um, there was a lot of cryptic confusion coming into this game about who was going to start, who looked better during practice. Uh, it looked like Mac was getting more reps at uh, the first team offense than Bailey Zappi was earlier this week. Uh, we found out that once the cameras were taken away, that it really was kind of split down the middle and the players and most people didn't really realize who was going to start until they went out there on the field. Mac Jones gets the nod. And unfortunately, 12 of 21 for 89 yards and two interceptions in the first half is not going to get it done, especially the way Mac threw these these interceptions. The first one, a back-footed throw, which we're seeing him make an awful lot. Mac Jones is not the type of quarterback that can succeed making those types of throws. 
That's thrown into triple coverage. The Giants are going to pick that off any day of the weekend, twice on Sunday. And he did get picked twice on Sunday because the next one was even more egregious. Pressure instead of Mac either taking the sack in that situation or simply just trying to throw it away blatantly. He threw right into the hands of Bobby Okereke, who had no choice but to secure that and then return it for about 55 yards. That is probably the epitaph for Mac Jones when it comes to being the starting quarterback or at least the full-time starting quarterback in New England. Daly Zappi comes in, 9 of 14, 54 yards. That first drive looked like they were a little more efficient, and then all of a sudden you start to see the regression and the reason why Zappi is not the full-time quarterback on this team either Difficulty making the reads, difficulty with the pressure in the uh, Wake Martindale defense that he saw on Sunday, and it led to his own interception. So Patriots are banged up on the O-line. Uh, the I thought the running game played solid today. They deserved a little bit better of a shake, but when you don't have too many weapons to throw to and none of your, none of your quarterbacks can get the ball to them, it's a recipe for disaster, and that's why New England lost today. Yeah, it's just been a season of disappointment all around for the Patriots this year. And Mike, I know there's been a lot of controversy on Bill Belichick and just what his future could look like after the season. And I think the question now that people are asking, are we watching the end of the Bill Belichick era in New England that we know has been so successful over Mm -hmm. his time there? But is it just time for maybe Belichick, for the organization to part ways? Do you expect the partnership to continue moving forward? Yeah, you know, Kevin, it's inconceivable to even think about Bill Belichick walking away from the New England Patriots for any other reason other than retirement. But that's the reality. That's where we're living right now here in New England with questions abound surrounding Bill's future. And look, a lot of it is from the craft standpoint. Do they still want to move forward? Has Belichick lost this locker room? Is his style no longer conducive? to the type of team they have here in Foxborough, or really in the NFL in general. You're hearing an awful lot of that, that Belichick's methods don't work anymore in the modern NFL. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I mean, there is a lot to be said about whether Bill wants to still be here in New England, whether he feels he can succeed with this team moving forward. So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered in the offseason. I really doubt at this point with the Patriots at 2-9, and nine, making the move now just for a symbolic gesture. I do think Bill Belichick has built up at least enough capital with the Crafts to finish the season, and then we'll see what happens uh, on either the day after or a couple of days following the end of the 2023 regular season. But it is not pretty times in New England. Wouldn't shock me if this is the waning days of the Bill Belichick era, but also I don't think it should shock anyone in the NFL If the Crafts decide to run it back with Bill for one more year, maybe in just a head coaching position or maybe with someone to help him out and Matt Groh to help out as well uh, with personnel decisions, that's a possibility. Again, a lot of conversations need to be had in the offseason, but I still, even though the Patriots have played so poorly, don't expect anything to happen before then. Yeah, before the end of the season would be pretty shocking, but then obviously once the season ends, Everything seems to be on the table, but one era that seems to have a little more clear of an answer is the Mac Jones era in New England. It just is not working out right now whatsoever for Mac Jones. Multiple times we've seen him bench for Bailey Zappi, and I thought, you know, overall, when we talked a couple months ago, Mike, you had said, you know, we'll see what happens. This hasn't looked great so far. There's still a lot of season left. Well, there's not a lot of season left anymore. (laughs) Nothing has improved. In fact, you can argue what's gotten much worse for Mac Jones, this is a two and nine football team. 
What do you do with that position moving forward? Because this is a, a deep quarterback class coming up. Yeah, you need a change. And uh, I've been as vocal and as staunch a Mac Jones supporter as you'll find in this region or anywhere across the country. Uh, people had given up on him two, three, four weeks ago, months ago, and saying that the Patriots needed someone new in that position. I started to hold out hope a little bit, seeing some glimmers of the player we saw as a rookie in 2021, leading his team to the playoffs and one of the better rookie seasons we've seen from a quarterback in some time. But look, Mac Jones is playing like he he is anticipating wrongdoing. He's anticipating something going wrong. In a way, Kevin, he's anticipating failure. And when you're a quarterback doing that, that's almost a sign that you may be broken. And I think in a lot of ways you hear that key word. I hate using it because I think it has such a finality to it. I'm not saying that Mac Jones is broken as a pro quarterback, but here in New England, it just has not worked. And it, I don't believe that there's any way to pull him out of this. Again, you saw Bailey Zappi come in in relief. That's not the long-term answer either. So if you're the New England Patriots, you're taking a strong look at this class. You're looking at the top five pick right now. You're looking at someone like a Caleb Williams. You're looking at someone like a Drake May, and you're giving them a very strong look. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Patriots angle, what types of information you hear coming out of Foxborough in the coming days, the type of team they want to field in 2024, I think it could have a big impact on what the Patriots do come draft time, because right now in New England, it's all about the draft. The 2023 season is uh, buried with a shovel, and they buried the shovel today in the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. Mike always has that great Patriots insight. Be sure to follow his work over at the Locked On Patriots podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers about if the Steelers are back. So be sure to stay tuned plenty to talk about on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And I've had a ton of success over on LinkedIn. They're great. They have plenty of options, and it's really helped me out throughout the course of my life. And it's really important that you have quality candidates to interview, and it's really easy to find them over on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Plus, hiring is super easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86 million small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. Post your job for free. Talk conditions apply. And this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And the end of the year season can be challenging. Sometimes you might look forward to the holidays and maybe a struggle with seasonal blues. There is a lot that can be going on at this time of year, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those negative feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change, something to look forward to to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. And therapy has a ton of benefits, whether it's helping to learn positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, empowering you to become the best version of yourself. There are so many, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for an additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10 
10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We're back. It's our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Allstriker is still rocking out with you here on this Monday. Hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And thank you for spending this Monday with Locked On NFL. We talked with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots in the first segment. Let's move on to Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers here as we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers are back after they went over the Cincinnati Bengals. The Pittsburgh Steelers make a change at offensive coordinator and they come out of week 12 with a win. Here to talk about that with me is Chris Carter, the host of Locked On Steelers. And Chris, I know that something needed a change in Pittsburgh after the vibes just seemed off and everything just offensively was not working. They move on from Matt Cannon. It's a different offensive coordinator situation. And although they didn't put up a lot of points, only 16 against the Bengals, they come out with a 16 to 10 win and just looked better on the offensive side of the ball. Can he pick it, look better? It's a tune change from what we were talking about last week, you and I, here on Lockdown NFL. So what do you look different between the Matt Cannon offense and what this new-look Steelers offense looked like on Sunday? I mean, I think the biggest thing was that guys were executing so much more efficiently in, in that in that game. I mean, you look at it, Kenny Pickett in the previous game, there were plays where guys were wide open. He wouldn't even look in their direction, and that was the issue. In this game, more often he was not only looking at them, but he was finding them. And in this game, 24 of 33, 278 passing yards, a 97.8 passer rating in this game. Sure, no touchdowns, but also no interceptions, and I believe that's the sixth game in a row that he's done that uh, with not turning the ball over. Uh, found Pat Frymuth nine times for 120 yards, and that's the most passing yards or receiving yards that Frymuth has gotten since Kenny Pickett became the starting quarterback. Um, and, you know, that helped balance the offense with Najee Harris running for 99 yards on 15 carries uh 60 and he now I think after another 20 plus yard run he has the I think he, I believe he's he has the most 20 yard runs in the NFL right now uh this this is the balance the Steelers have wanted on offense granted they wanted to finish more drives Deontay Johnson drops a ball in the end zone uh that would have given them an early 7-0 lead uh there was time for you know, them to figure some other things out, you know, Jalen Warren fumbling in the red zone, key mistakes there at times that, um, yeah, that, that kind of cost them. But like you said, still much better. It's their first time getting over 400 yards as a total offense in a game since 2020. That was an insanely long stretch for the Steelers. Um, and uh, I think, but I think what you look at here, even more important than the yards, the time of possession, the Steelers had only one time of possession in a game twice this year. And it was minimally like they had what they would have 30 minutes and 30 seconds with the ball versus the other team having 29 minutes and 30 seconds this time around, they had, they had the ball for 37 minutes, 17 seconds compared to the Bengals, 22 minutes and 43 seconds. That can be the difference when you're, when you're trying to keep your defense off the field, staying fresh and not giving an offense that's working with a backup quarterback, more chances to just spring a lucky play. And they even sprung a few. I mean, there were, there were at least two passes that Jamar Chase caught that were tipped off of Steelers defenders hands and just luckily bounced in his direction. Um, I, I think that's the big thing is that the offense for the Steelers Kenny Pickett, they possessed the football. He converted 50% of the third downs that were actually attempted. Technically, it was a 47% on the day because they took a kneel down on third down at the end of the game. Uh, but that I think that's a lot more of the efficiency they want. And I think if they play more to that style of football moving forward, the Steelers will get more points because they won't have those drops in the end zone and those fumbles in the red zone. Yeah, and I think, Chris, we've seen the Steelers get – healthier over the course of the season they've lost some guys for periods of time pat fryermuth comes back a couple weeks ago he has a huge impact day nine for 120 through the air they missed deontay johnson for a time they got cam hayward back they've been dealing with some injuries here and there 
what's the potential for the Steelers team now as they get back to full strength and hopefully stay there? I mean, there's, there's a lot of potential. Here. I think that there should be a lot more recognition for what the Steelers are doing uh, with their te- with their defense right now. Like you said, they, you know, this is the, they've been missing Minka Fitzpatrick for a month now. This is his fourth straight game that he had missed. They missed the first half of the season of having Cam Hayward. Uh, they're, they're two of their starting linebackers are out for the season. Um, you know, they, they Keanu O'Neill, one of their backup safeties in, they have a, they have a kind of a, a their fourth option at safety in Trent Thompson on the field. And he got an interception, uh, while the, while Jamar Chase was being targeted on a play, they have found a way to string it together. And I think when you look at it, I'm not sure what the rankings are now, uh, but leading into, t- into Sunday's game, the Steelers had the seventh best scoring defense in the NFL. Also, they had the third best second half scoring defense in the NFL. I think, if anything, the Steelers have been a team that has been good at making adjustments. And there's been some Steelers fans that have wanted to call for the heads of Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin for, you know, for the defense because there were a couple games where they didn't look great. But by and large, they're a team that is winning because they're holding teams to low po- low points, regardless of why you think it might be happening or how you think it might be happening. It's just a reality right now. They For uh, the last time, I think it's now, wait, one, two, three, seven straight games, an opponent has been held to 20 points or less by the Steelers' defense. And that's including games against the Ravens, against the Rams, the Jaguars, the only team to score 20 points against them. Jordan Love, who I think people are starting to see is a little bit better than people what people talked about. He was held to 19 points. You know, I, you know regard, regardless of your schedule, the Steelers' defense is performing, and that is why they're 7-4. and four. And don't look now, but they're a game out of first place in the AFC North. Could very well come down to that Week 18, January 7th matchup between the Steelers and the Ravens in Baltimore. The Steelers won the previous matchup. If these two teams, if the Steelers can stay within a game of the Ravens throughout the rest of the season, it could very well come down to if the Steelers win that game and tie the Ravens' record, they get the tiebreaker and win the division. Um, certainly would be would be a crazy feat here uh, for the Steelers. And you look, they got two teams with uh, nine plus losses coming up in the Cardinals and the Patriots at home in the back to back weeks. Chances for the Steelers to kind of keep pace with the Ravens moving forward. Yeah, and, and I wanted to talk about the schedule in the division now because you talked about that what they have coming up. Cardinals, Patriots, those two teams. Kyler Murray coming back from his injury, he's been in for a couple weeks. The Patriots with who knows what at quarterback. For them, but then they have the Colts and Gardner Minshew, the Bengals and Jake Browning, AJ McCarron again. Who knows what it's going to be there? And then the Seahawks and then the Ravens. So they're a seven and four team right now. They've put themselves in position with this kind of cushier back schedule. How do you think this shakes out for them, especially if they can continue to find their stride offensively? I think that they put themselves in a position to beat a lot of teams in the NFL right now. You know, I think that there 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 aren't too many too overly dominant teams that can just, just crush every opponent in front of them. Like, you know, and I think that's where the Steelers are right now is that they can keep, they can hang with teams. They can, they can bang with teams. I mean, the, the Jaguars game, they lost 20 to 10 there, but Kenny Pickett gets knocked out late in the first half with a, with a rough in the pass penalty that wasn't called. If the Steelers, if he hangs in on that game, maybe he has another one of those fourth quarter comebacks that he's made so many times already in his career. And we're looking at an, uh, what would what it be? An eight and three team instead of seven and four team at, at, at this point in time. So, this is a Steelers team that I think with the way that they're playing defense, if their defense can get healthy and the offense does figure some things out and actually finishes drives, we may see that elusive 30-point game from the offense at some point this season. And if if this offense, again, just 
I've said for, for, for months now, if Kenny Pickett just takes what's there when it comes to the passing game, and he did in this game for the most part, the Steelers' offense opens up so much. This is now the fourth straight time with Broderick Jones at starter that the Steelers have rushed for over 150 yards. That is that I think that's a sign of where they're going right now as a team. Um, I think that if teams are looking at looking at the Steelers like an opportunity to get a come up, I think that they need to look at them as a much more formidable opponent than what people might be realizing. Major shout out to Chris for his time. Be sure to check out Chris over at the Locked On Steelers podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Still a bunch to get to here on Locked On NFL. Coming up, we're talking with Tyler Rowan of Locked On Titans about if the Titans are a sneaky playoff team. Let me just stay tuned. A lot to get to on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most so many have had when you have 25 times the money this football season. All you have to do is like two or more players, pick more or less than the projected stats, and place your entry. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. The league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players in different sports or leagues. So, for example, if you're a LeBron James fan, you can pick him and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus reception. And if you want to play alongside some of Price Picks' favorite players like Rafa Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can. Now you can find them in the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Price Picks community each week. Price Picks even offers an awesome reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first boss matchup to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash lockdown NFL. Use code lockdown NFL for a first boss match up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. We are rounding out Locked On NFL Monday edition here. Kevin Ostreger still talking with you. Thank you again for tuning in, whether you're in audio form or video form on Locked On NFL. Be sure to subscribe for free, bring you the best daily NFL content five days per week here on this channel. Across our network, you can find all of our shows for all of our sports, YouTube, audio form, the whole nine yards. So let's round off this episode today by talking with Tyler Rowland, Locked On Titans, about if the Titans are a sneaky playoff team. Come up now. The Tennessee Titans pull out a 17-10 to 10 win over the Carolina Panthers in Week 12. We're to talk about that with me. And if the Titans are a sneaky playoff team, it's Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans. And Tyler, I know a win is a win. And even if you're beating up on a Carolina team, it still counts as a 1-0 week for them. Will Levis goes 18-28, 185 in this game. Derrick Henry, two touchdowns on the ground. How did the Titans pull this one out? Uh, well, honestly, the Titans defensive line led the way. The Titans defensive line is the best part of their team, led by Jeffrey Simmons, who had a fantastic day, was really dominant against a very, very poor Carolina Panthers Panthers offensive line. Uh, Danico Autry, who is uh, in the twilight of his career, 33, looking at 34, but had two sacks on the day, really looked good, made some big plays down the stretch. Arden Key and Harold Landry contributed off the edge as well. Other than that defensive line, everything was a little up and down for the Titans at times. I, I think these are two teams that maybe aren't at the top of the league in talent on their roster. So it was ugly, but hey, an ugly win is always better than a pretty loss uh, in the Titans situation. That could be debated right now, but I'm sure in the Titans locker room, they're very happy to finally get a win. And uh, it took them having a home game finally to get that win. 
Titans have been a home team this year. They've been great at home, not so good on the road. And their schedule, you know, if we're talking about it from that way, it favors them. Yeah, I mean, they do have a lot of home games down the stretch. The Titans have played a ton of games on the road. And one of their quote-unquote home games was against the Ravens in London, which, of course, the Titans lost because they've only won in Nashville this year. Next week, they have a game against the Indianapolis Colts at home in Nashville. They lost to the Colts earlier in the year. But again, this is the Titans at home. They're a, a different team. Then they have a home game against the Texans, but the Texans, even though they took a loss to the Jaguars, are looking like a real good team. The Seahawks, the Titans play on Christmas Eve at home. They have a home game at the end of the year against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which the Jaguars could be completely locked in to their playoff seed at that moment in time That with the win over Houston. They have a big lead in the AFC South now, so maybe Jacksonville is sitting people on the road against the Titans, and that allows the Titans to get a win. But I have to tell you, Kevin, not to ruin uh, uh, all of the excitement and, and the buildup, but the Titans won 17 to 10 over the one and 10, now one and 10 Carolina Panthers. And I, I just don't know in a loaded AFC if the Titans have enough to, to make a run. And honestly, seven losses on the year already. I don't know if the AFC, last AFC wildcard team is going to be a seven loss team, it might be a six loss team a five-loss team at the way things are going. So the Titans would have to get a little bit of help and play a lot better than even they played on Sunday against the Panthers if they want to talk about the playoffs at all. Yeah, right now, uh, as, as we're talking at least, the Colts are the seventh seed with six, and they're six and five. So there are a bunch of those teams in that six and five range. You have a couple who are five and yep. six, obviously Tennessee yep. at four and seven. But what, what do you think the ceiling is? Do you think this team can at least build up some positive momentum? What do you want to see from them as you head into the offseason if they don't make the playoffs? Well, I think that's what has to be the goal now. Honestly, if you're the Titans, you're looking at the team. They're four and seven now. I think maybe they get one or two more wins on the year. Um, and then lose some more games the rest of the way. I, I think the record really isn't what's most important for the Titans right now. I think it's all about the development of your young players led by Will Levis. And you mentioned Levis's stat line earlier in the game. It was up and down. In the first half, Levis had a drive where he was 7 for 7, had 85 passing yards. He was making quick decisions, accurate throws. It was everything that you wanted to see. And you're going into halftime. It's 17 to 3. Levis has had a great performance, even with pressure on him from Brian Burns and Derek Brown. And then you get into the second half, and Levis misses a couple of throws. And there's a turnover-worthy throw in there where there's almost an interception, and things are clunky and don't look as clean and Levis doesn't look very comfortable and you're like oh you know that that doesn't give you the the warm and fuzzies that you want to feel coming out of these games usually it's Will Levis is trying his best he's under incredible pressure because the offensive line is terrible there's not a lot of guys creating separation for the Titans at the wide receiver position so you feel comfortable but on Sunday Titans only gave up one sack and Will Levis did have some time to operate and there were a few miscues I would say. So really for the Titans, it's all about development going forward and being excited about some of these young players. Jalen Duncan, a sixth-round rookie, got the start at left tackle and had a pretty solid performance compared to the left tackle play the Titans have been getting for the last year and a half. So I, I think everything going forward is about that development, not necessarily about the record. But when you have a young quarterback, 
like you would know from covering the Ravens when Lamar Jackson was installed and blah, blah, blah. When you have a young quarterback, it, it never hurts to set a good foundation and win some games. So there is the upside of that when you feel like you have a quarterback that you can kind of build around from here. But the Titans roster is so, so depleted that I think some moral victories that are actual losses might be what's best for the Titans going forward throughout the rest of the season. And, you know, a lot of people talk about tank, don't tank, blah, blah, blah. I don't think what the Titans are doing is intentional in any way. They're trying to win games, and it's just hard because the team doesn't have a lot of talent. And you talked about Levis, the ups and downs he's had. When we talked after Will Levis in his first start, Tyler was electric, exciting, the, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But for you, has he shown over these last couple of weeks that at least he should be the number one quarterback? Not saying they shouldn't bring any any competition or anything, but has he right. given enough so far? There's still some season left, but has he given enough so far to maybe be what could be the future of the team? I think right now there have been ups and downs, but when you give him a clean pocket, when there's somebody actually there to throw to, he seems to more often than not make that play, get the ball there. And there's a play today in the first half where uh, he's got pressure on him, he's fallen away, and he's able to lob up a beautiful touch pass to Chickaconquo, the Titans' second-year tight end down the sideline. Sets the Titans at the one-yard line and sets up their first touchdown of the day. Not only does Levis do normal good things, he does some incredible things at times. So you see those flashes. I think with what we've seen from Will Levis so far, the Titans have enough, even with some mistakes mixed in, to say, hey, I think this is a guy that if we put a better team around him, he can lead us to where we want to go. And that's really, again, at the end of the day, with this Titans team maybe not being good enough to be a real playoff threat, I think that's all you can really hope for. And I think that so far has been a, a good answer and a good check for the Titans as they move forward into the offseason. Be sure to check out Tyler's work over on the Locked On Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day for the latest Titans updates. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On NFL.